shame is a prison as cruel as a grave shame is a robber and he's come to take my name oh love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground love is the power where my freedom song is found there ain't no Down. I'm gonna rise up out of the ground. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, fear is a liar with a smooth and velvet tongue. And fear is a tyrant. He's always telling me to run and love is a resurrection and love is a trumpet sound love is my weapon i'm gonna take my giants down there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down there ain't no trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down there was a battle a war between death and life and there on a tree the Lamb of God took back every key he rose up as a lion and he set all the captives free there ain't no grave can hold my body down there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down if you walked out of the grave I'm a walking too if you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. 
It's great to see you all again. Uh, I'd just like to invite Mark up to perhaps for us in prayer. Uh, Lord, that there might be that connection with you, that, that what is said and what is, what is read and what is sung, Lord, may be for your glory and may bring honour uh, to your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So in Life Lounge, uh, we encourage you to join with us. We have the words of all the songs. Sing with us. Um, if you want to follow protocol, by all means, keep your masks on. When we come into Life Lounge, we don't leave our troubles at the door. This is not some sort of form of escapism. This is bringing the world to the feet of Jesus. Uh, there's a lot going out there, on out there in the world, in Ukraine and so on. And each of us responds differently. Tonight we're going to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and his blood. Because I believe that if we get that basis right, then we look with different eyes on what's happening in the world. And if you're weary, if you're tired of everything, this is a great opportunity to be honest with God and say, I'm fed up, I'm tired. 
bring it to the foot of the cross and join with us as we sing, we sing, God so loved. a sense of freedom. Sorry about that. Uh, quite often the world will try to tie you down, will try to put handcuffs on you, to say there's no way out. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus brings freedom. 
gospel message is very central to uh, the way out of any of the mess that we look at the world being in and I firmly believe that uh, 
So this next song, I'd really encourage you to, for me, the power of this next song is the words, not necessarily the music. And I want, to, I want you to stand and sing with me, praise the name of Jesus. We should never get tired of standing and praising the name of Jesus. So stand with me now. again he shall return he shall return 
in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. we know why you've all come here tonight. <laughs> so I'd like to invite Reverend Mark Shaw and our own Tom Shaw to, to join together on the Life Lounge to Tea so we can dig a little deeper into this man's life. So can I invite you to the... trying to find out more about him. Uh, we have got to know Mark over the last roughly two months and he's had a chance to get to know a little bit about us but tonight I hope I'm going to ask the questions that you want to know the answers to and by the end of tonight we'll know a lot more about Mark and he won't know anything more about us. <laughs> so Mark just to get the ball rolling and this is a conversation rather than as I say a cross-examination can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and um, maybe what some of the significant influences were in your life at that stage? Um, well, I grew up at Gilnahirk. Uh, Gilnahirk Presbyterian Church is where I went as a child. And um, yeah, I was just a normal kid uh, going to Sunday school and going to the Cub Scouts and so forth. 
and uh, you know it's a bit of a blur to be honest um, what I do remember is that my mum forced me every week to wear these awful trousers which were check trousers and they you might as well have been wearing camel hair because it, they were just so itchy and uh, I know this is going off the topic a wee bit but uh, <laughs> One day I decided I had a good idea. I thought to myself, right, mum's forcing me to go here to church every Sunday and in this awful suit. And uh, so I put my pyjama bottoms on underneath. And uh, it was great fun. I forgot even I was wearing these ridiculous trousers. Uh, and I was running about, playing after Sunday school and running down the hill. And when... My, my, when uh, a friend of mine spotted that my pajamas were coming down underneath my trousers, and he went and told my mother, and uh, she wasn't too happy at all. But the the influences, there were good influences there. I grew up in a good Christian home. I think my mum and my dad were a good influence to me. But at that time, I wasn't seriously thinking about giving my life to Christ at all. Um, one, one evening, my father uh, took me over to the Ulster Temple on Ravenhill Road, which is an Elam Pentecostal church, and uh, there was a pastor ailing there, and he shared the gospel, and, uh, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ that evening. Now, I'd heard the gospel probably many times. We had a great minister, a really tremendous minister in Gilnerher called the Reverend Dennis Gordon, and we're very fond of him. But it was only that night in the Ulster Temple when I realized that I needed to make a response to what Christ had done uh, at Calvary. You know, if, if I didn't, I realized if I didn't make a response, then Calvary would have just been a horrendous event uh, 2,000 years ago that had no significance for me. But at, that, at that, that night, I found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I can't say that I understood all the theological terms, but I came away thinking, I have a friend forever. And uh, I was 14 years old at that time. So. Well, that obviously was a very significant point in your life, and you, you've answered the question I was going to ask you, actually. But can I ask... What kind of difference did that make to your life when you reached that decision? Um, I didn't really know what I was meant to do as a Christian, I must admit. Uh, for a couple of years, I was basically on my own. I started studying the Bible myself. I remember this little booklet that I got, Read, Mark, Learn. So I'd have, I'd have uh, really studied the Bible and wrote down notes myself. I didn't know anything about fellowship, didn't know what fellowship was, I didn't know it was something that you really needed as a Christian. Um, but then after a wee while, things started to happen very quickly. Um, I went to a fellowship in Gilnerhirk Presbyterian Church and uh, I grew in faith. It came from a summer scheme, going to summer scheme, and I went in and met lots of Christian friends, could identify with them. and. Before long, I was signing up for to go with Evangelical Youth Movement down the south in the summers. Uh, and it was my first summer down in Enniscorthy, um, whenever I just felt the call of God on my life. And I'd have been about, about 17, 18 at the time. And I applied to Cape and Ray Bible School in, in England then. 
and went there for a year, and that really put it up a notch because I, I, we were going on outreaches like to outer Manchester and so forth, and just the sense of God in the buses as we were heading down and the singing, we were just singing worship songs the whole way down, and it was tremendous. And I, I met people from 27 different countries, uh, met people who had been persecuted for their faith, and uh, it just had a big impact on me. So uh, that's, that's, that's where it went. So am I right in thinking that you went through school, you came to faith when you were about 14, yeah. then you progressed in developing your faith and your knowledge and your understanding of the Christian life. Yeah. Um, did you ever do any work? <laughs> Well, I tried to skive as much as I could. <laughs> no, um, well, because I just knew that God wanted me, was calling me to, the, to um, full-time Christian service. So, but I didn't know when, I didn't know how, I didn't know where. So um, I, went to, I, I decided, right, I'll get as much training as I possibly can so that when I know God is saying go, I can go and I don't have to start going to college. So I went to Belfast Bible College where I met my wife and, uh, and then we, we were married. And when I was at Queen's, I went to Queen's University to get a degree in theology and decided, well, if I'm going overseas, which I don't know if I am, then I'll do a PGCE just in case so I can go over as a teacher. So I got those qualifications, but you're asking about work in between times. We had to pay bills and we had to eat. Uh, Elaine, thankfully, she was working um, full-time in the Irish Mission and Church House. She was a secretary there over all 17 years, and um, so she really kept me a lot, but also, <laughs> also but in between times, uh, I, was a, I drove a furniture van. I was postman every Christmas when I got off. Uh, I, uh, I did a lot of uh, Belfast City Council summer schemes in the summer. I also worked in the civil service for a year in the law courts in RAC House, um, and I did a lot of substitute teaching when I was qualified as a teacher, right. so in between. But, but it was all heading towards full-time service and trying to just sustain us until we knew when and where. So, well, at your installation, one of the people who came to speak to us about you was Norman Hamilton yes. from Ballysillen, well, formerly Ballysillen. And I understand from what he said that you worked with him in Ballysillen for yes. three or so years. About, Could you tell us about that? Yeah, it was, a, it was a lovely time. And we have dear friends in Norman and Evelyn Hamilton. And Norman would still come over and help us with the garden. and. He's a great man to just go on and chill with and chat to um, and give, get advice from. But when I was there, I, I went in really as a family worker, um, but it didn't turn out as a family worker because within a couple of months of being there, the Holy Cross dispute blew up. And... Uh, I ended up basically mainly in the street and outside in the community. And the Holy Cross disputed, uh, maybe just in case people don't know about it, it, it was basically a situation where um, Catholic children were being 
um, walked to school down the Ardoin Road, and they were going through a very Protestant area. Now, I don't think that would have been too much of a problem, only um, there'd been the Shankill bombing, and uh, there were people that lived in the Glenbrenn estate who had been affected by the Shankill bombing, and one of the parents of the children that were going down was the Shankill bomber. And it provoked them a lot, and there ended up riots, and it ended up with, it was heavily policed. And uh, as far along the Ardoin Road, as far as the eye could see, you had an MSU. They had special forces there, and um, so I, I ended up a lot on the streets and in the community. And uh, I, I found I, I got contacts within the community and found out who was going through really difficult times. And uh, I began to call with Norman Hamilton's permission. And I, I, I began to call with those people. And sometimes I just went to a street and called with everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but God had, had put a burden on my heart. Uh, and I, I, I started giving out plants. It sounds really ridiculous. Um, but it was, it was coming up to Mother's Day. And in B&Q, you could get three plants for the price of two. So I kept going up just to buy these plants. And I would go to people's doors and just basically ask them how they were. Now, sometimes you got tough guys over the UVF just looking at you. <laughs> but other guys, you know, sometimes you just got people that broke down uh, when that someone had taken the time to come and ask them how they were. And um, as I went round, I built up relationships. And there was one particular lady who was disabled. And uh, I arrived at her doorstep. And, and she told me afterwards that she thought, really believed God had sent me there because she'd just lost two of her family members within 10 days. And uh, she, was, she then disappeared for a wee while. She, when I called, she wasn't there, and she'd been in hospital. But when she came home from hospital, she told me she'd given her life to Christ. So as I went around and made connections with different people in the community, and some that had gone through a tremendous heartache, um, I asked this lady um, if, if we could start a Bible study at her home. And uh, would that be all right? And invite the people from the community that I'd met. So she said, yes, definitely. So we, we, we started, that, started that up. And, and she just, she told me that she, if she took one cream bun, she was all right. She was diabetic. But she says, if I take two cream buns, she says, I am out in a coma. She said, so I have a sick sense of humor. So the first night... <laughs> that we had the we're having the Bible study. I arrived with Sainsbury's cream buns, about 20 of them. <laughs> and uh, the wee Bible study became known as the Sticky Bun Bible study. But it was different from your ordinary Bible study. There was an innocence to it. There was a freshness to it. There were children at it. There were elderly people at it. There were people sitting on the sofa, people sitting on the floor. And I brought my guitar along, and they were trying to think of a song that they sang at church 30 years before. So most of these people had, hadn't been to church in 30 years, didn't feel comfortable going to church. Um, but we started this Bible study, and it was, 
uh, Christianity Explained, and it was to do with Mark's Gospel. And I gave them all out a, a little Mark's Gospel. And uh, one lady asked me if I'd written it. And, <laughs> uh, but that's what I mean about the innocence, you know. And I must admit, I was very tempted to say, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, I, I just, I loved it. I loved it. And, um, he, and I started bringing folk down from Ballysillen, real friendly folk who were connecting with them so that if they came to church, then they'd have someone, they'd have a link there. But I, I think what I, I took from Ballysillen was that um, I, I'd pastored a wee church in the Castlereagh Hills for six years. And I'd come out of that to go to Ballysillen, and I often wondered, was being a pastor, was that my calling? Was that what God was wanting? And whenever I came into Ballysillen again, and we started to just go around and meet folk, I, I, that's this whole heart inside me for people who are in pain and going through difficult situations. That just rose again. Uh, within me, and I, I, I felt, you know, God has put within me this desire to, to pastor people. So uh, Ballysillen became my home congregation then, and I applied for the ministry from Ballysillen. Right. That's, uh, well, that, that answers the question I was going to ask you, which was, what on earth possessed you to become a Presbyterian minister? <laughs> but um, you obviously felt a calling, you went forward. Yeah. Where, where did you go then into full-time ministry? Well, um, well, I, I've been in Straban for 15 years. I, was, I did my assistantship in uh, Second Cumber Presbyterian Church with Reverend Roy Mackey. And one year that I was doing training, because I had to do my ministerial training, uh, rather than just go into college and be in college for two years, I was allowed to go and work part-time and do part-time course. So I was in Sinclair Siemens Presbyterian Church for a while, for, for about uh, six months, and then I was in Second Cumber for about two and a half years, two years, and then I went up to Straban. We were there for 15 years, and the last four years I was given another church up there. Uh, I know that there are many presbyteries, many churches that are vacant, and uh, at the moment many are being linked up, double charges. So I was given Sand Mills Presbyterian Church, and which at the time I was concerned it might be a wee bit too much having two churches, but they turned out to be a tremendous blessing to me and a tremendous encouragement. And Straban people, I fell in love with them as well. So um, you know, it, it, it is quite difficult. When it's a joy to be down in Bangor, we're enjoying it very, very much. But it is hard when you just you lift everything and you come, yeah. and one night you're sleeping in Straban, and the next night you're waking up, or next morning you're waking up in Bangor, you know. And but people have been tremendous here, and we're really excited to be here. So. Well, I have to say we're we're delighted that you're here, and I say that knowingly because I know so many members of the congregation have expressed that view themselves. Um, just off, stepping aside for a moment from ministry, um, how do you find Bangor? <laughs> well, we'll love it. We're actually talking, coming down the car. I was saying to my wife, do you fancy uh, going down to the marina afterwards tonight? 
Well, love it. There's so many nice places to go for a walk. Um, I'm really, like, it's one thing, like, you'll find this really strange, but my wife said to me, I think it was yesterday, and I noticed it the next morning we arrived here, suddenly you hear seagulls. And uh, <laughs> you don't hear them in Straban, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I love deep sea fishing as well, so I'm looking forward to the summer. <laughs> to go a bit, bit of deep sea fishing. Um, yeah, so it's a lovely place to live, really lovely place to live. Well now, in talking about that and talking about Elaine, we haven't really referred to two other important members of your family, uh, your daughter Leah and your son David. Now, Leah is, if I'm right, living in Belfast and teaching in Belfast. Yes. Um, can you tell us a wee bit about both of them? Just a... Yeah. a, a well, Leah's over there with her boy, with her boyfriend Connor there. So uh, Leah is, yeah, she, Leah's teaching um, in in a primary school down. It's Craigie Primary School, um, and she'd be twenty six years of age. And uh, David is twenty two. David is um, studying at Stranmullis, uh, not to be a, a teacher, but he's doing sport, health and sport. Uh, Ever since he was a, a kid, he was running around with a, with a football, and then he took up rugby um, until really he, he broke his jaw in three different places, uh, playing for Straban a few years ago. But uh, yeah, but very proud of both of them. Leah goes to Newton Breda Baptist. She joined, well, she came, started going there when she came to Strambolis to do her teaching. So uh, just, both are very supportive and uh, I've dragged them around from place to place. So, Well, now, now that you're uh, here and you're, you're getting to know us a bit, um, could you tell us something about what your vision is for Ballycrocken? Yes. Um, well, <laughs> I, I want Jesus Christ to be the centre of every aspect of church life. Um, he said, without me, you can do nothing. And, uh, you know, without Jesus Christ at the center, we're, we're simply building something in the flesh, so to speak, building something which is, in a sense, on sinking sand. Um, I, I do believe that every church uh, has three responsibilities, and this would be my vision for Ballycrogan. Uh, first of all, evangelism, and secondly, discipleship, and thirdly, mobilization. Evangelism, uh, leading people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, discipleship, uh, trying to, giving them an environment, helping to create an environment that they can grow in their faith and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And then mobilization and encouraging them uh, to share their faith uh, with with anyone and everyone, um, I, I do believe. You know, God calls. I do. When I, when someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, they believe that they are automatically go into full time Christian service, and they could be a taxi driver, or they could be a doctor, or they could be a nurse, or a teacher. Um, whatever they are doing, um, in a sense, is secondary. God has them in those positions. And their calling is to serve him um, in those places. What I'm interested most of all in is, is going deep 
um, more than wide. And, and let me explain. Just in, in, when we allow God to grow deeper in our relationships and in our church, then we tend to start to grow wide anyway. But uh, if, if there's not that depth of relationship in our relationship with Jesus Christ, then often we can end up going through the motions and we can be doing ticking boxes and doing programs. But if there's no depth there in that relationship, then it can be uh, very superficial and very run-of-the-mill. So uh, I, I love to teach the Bible. I love to dig gold out of the Bible. Uh, and that's what I would want to do here, to help people, uh, to give them a desire to see others come to faith and to give them a desire to grow deeper themselves in their walk with God. Um, so often we get satisfied with, oh, that will do me. I'm, I'm, I've got a ticket to heaven now. But God calls us to more than that. God calls us to seek him and to enjoy him. Uh, more and more and uh, and hopefully because of that we want to share the gospel we want to share Christ with other people and that leads us into mobilization so um, I, I'm looking forward to, to ministering here and I've been so encouraged um, and, and I do really want everyone to to just to uh, as a body to move forward together um, I think I think your next question was going to be how can you support me? Is that right? Yeah. Let me <laughs> see. I got a wee bit of prompt. You see, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this this afternoon. And first of all, um, pray, pray for me, but not just me. Pray for every aspect in the church, um, uh, and also surrender. Um, there's that song, All to Thee, I Surrender. Um, I'd ask you like Isaiah did, Lord, here I am, you know, send me. I'd like you to ask yourself, what does God want me to do? What is my calling? What is my place in the body of Ballycrocken? How can God most effectively use me in this place? So, uh, so that, that, that involves surrender. It doesn't involve looking for gifts. God's not looking primarily for gifts. He's looking for hearts that are surrendered, and then he'll give you whatever you, you need uh, to fulfill that task. So those are the two things, pray and, and surrender. Mark, thank, thank you very much indeed for that. I, I just want to kind of echo what I think people in, in the the room are, are feeling, and that is a real sense of anticipation, a real sense of thankfulness that you accepted the call to come here, a real sense of knowing that you were the right person to come, mm. and a real sense that you will help us, and that you'll work through us, and that you'll challenge us to do things. And I want to speak on everybody's behalf and say, I'm sure everybody will gladly respond to whatever you ask. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To hold on to that romantic image of seagulls.
So when you come out of a morning and you look at your car, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, for seagulls. It was lovely to hear that narrative there about surrendering too. I think you're absolutely right on that one. We need to surrender to God because when we place Jesus at the center and we surrender to that, we're so much more in tune with what God wants to give us. Uh, and that includes his love. And this next song of worship is a love song when we should not be behind the door in expressing uh, sometimes how overwhelmed we can be when we see God's love in action. So 
was a new song to a lot of you you'll know the next one uh, and the title suggests that we can do nothing but stand so I would invite you now to stand with me and let's be amazed I stand amazed
Oh, 